Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. I've lost count of the amount of women who tell me that they've had their babies and thought, phew, that's the hard part out of the way. Now I can get on with falling in love with my child and cherishing every moment we have together. All of us with children will know that while we dream of this being the case, it simply isn't a realistic view. Looking after small children, however much you love them, is hard, relentless even, tiring and dare I say, at times boring. With me today, I have someone whose book aims to challenge all of that. Daisy Upton, aka The Five Minute Mum, is a teaching assistant and mother of two who found herself sitting at home one day with flu and two children desperate for their mother's attention, turning her house upside down to engage them in a papier-mâché making activity, which they got bored of within four minutes. As a teaching assistant, she'd had no problem entertaining a class of 30 preschoolers. Why was she finding entertaining her own ch two children such a challenge? With a brain that could create games, she started thinking of activities that would be engaging, fun, and at times educational, but crucially could be set up in five minutes. Thus, the Five Minute Mum was born, garnering a huge following of mothers who loved her ideas. Daisy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I love the concept of the Five Minute Mum, especially the five minute part of it, because a lot of times, you know, someone has an idea and what we don't realise is it a bit like a recipe where it's, you know, you get those recipes, they say you can do this in 15 minutes. It never takes me 15 <laughs> never, minutes. No. <laughs> and it takes every piece of equipment in your house usually as well. <laughs> well, then you go kind of get nearly there and then there's like the one thing that you don't have and you're yes. like, ah! <laughs> so I'd love to talk actually about play and why it's so important. Why, why is it so crucial in terms of children's development? Play is how children learn everything. So if you've ever sat for five minutes, and this is something I recommend people do as well, just, and just watch them play, you can see that all the time their little brains are figuring things out and practicing concepts of stuff that we don't even think about as adults so we never think about how we interact with another person when we say hello how are you that's just what we've learned to do but for a child with a doll introducing the doll to another child another doll that's them practicing that social technique that they've seen and in a safe space where it's not daunting because they're not having to say hello to an uncle they've just met two minutes ago instead it's you know with their dolls it's a nice safe space so children learn almost everything through their parents and then just playing and practicing those scenarios yeah just watching and I mean we sort of distinguish between play and learning but the two are inextricably linked aren't they absolutely and education has now come around to that so perhaps when I was at school it was slightly less about play and more about learning and lessons and this you know here's your ABCs and now education has swung back around to this well let's just play instead and then the learning can be filtered into that 
in ways that make it fun for kids because if it's fun then they want to do it <laughs> that's yeah. the difference and there's this idea I mean traditional idea that if you're having fun it can't be learning mm-hmm. that's that's fun but actually when I was doing this thing with my daughter the other day it's a great app called Table Fables and they tell all the times tables through stories oh, so nice. it's basically a bunch of stories and she absolutely loves it and yet it's teaching her those kind of I mean I remember my times tables and being so bored by this kind of rote <laughs> four times four is 16 yep. five you know it was <laughs> so boring and I think that's the problem that a lot of children have with learning is that it's dull but if we can make it fun then but that's the same for an adult because if I was to teach um an adult how to do something new and I said right we're going to sit in this room and we're going to write it out a hundred times and you'd all think oh, I don't want to do that but if I said oh we're going to go to a bar and we're going to line up drinks on the side and count them out and do it that way and then afterwards we're all going to have a nice time you'd go oh I'll come along to that and that that's in all of us as a human we want to enjoy ourselves and have a nice time and we learn through those experiences. So if you can kind of marry, it doesn't have to be this separate lesson and then the enjoyment, you can put them together, definitely. But it's obviously much more than just, you know, it's the, than the sort of academic learning. It's also learning how to engage and interact and exactly. be polite and wait your turn. All of those things I talk about in the book, especially, especially when it comes to things like com- being competitive. So I think a lot of, you get a lot of lessons, life lessons through play with that so playing little games and winning and losing and that's what life is about and as parents that's what we're doing isn't it preparing our children for the world and a big part of that comes through playing those sort of games where you have to try a bit harder or you're not quite it's not quite going how you want and how do you cope with that and what do you do about it and practicing it out on a really minutiae little scale that actually you can then transfer into the big wide world hopefully when they go out and face that when they're older because children actually aren't necessarily good at playing games are they when they're born that's a sort of skill you sort of learn I mean just I'm talking about you know, not getting it right the whole time, yes. failing at it, losing. Yeah. I remember I was playing double with my daughter recently and she lost catastrophically and she sort of laughed. And my sister who was watching said, Ione, you're a really good loser. That's such a good thing to do. Mm. And I realized that actually that is such an important skill in life. There's nothing more boring than playing anything or being with someone who is ultra competitive so it takes all the fun out of anything you're doing exactly and and that's there's a whole chapter in my book actually called me versus you which is devoted to those kind of games that practice that skill and part of the reason it's called give me five is that's what I say to the kids when we finish so regardless of whether they've won or lost or they found it difficult we, we give each other a high five and it's like you know that was still fun wasn't it it doesn't matter on the outcome and and how, or how can we get over that you know feeling of despair that they've they've come last out of three as my son sometimes feels <laughs> devastated I didn't get all the balls in the bucket mummy and it's that well, okay well how can we deal with that you know let's play a game let's try a game what would you do differently and um and then at the end give each other a high five and no and like you say yeah to lose grace graciously is is a skill that you have to learn really well I think also you know if you play a game and you haven't had fun doing it then that's ultimate losing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've had fun, regardless of how the, the end is, then you're a winner. You're winning, yeah. And that's the concept of, of games, which is... so. I mean, I have adult friends who haven't got that concept yet. <laughs> I think we all know somebody <laughs> that finds that difficult. <laughs> but there's also that interaction that's so important. You know, when an adult plays a game with a child, whether it's a caregiver or a parent or a grandparent or anyone, that is like the biggest reward you can give them is, is your attention isn't it it definitely is and that's I mean there's that the old saying isn't there that children spell love t-i-m-e they just want you to 
look at them, play with them, do something with them. And and even as a parent, that's the best time I've had with my children is when we've done something where I feel like I've got something out of it too. So we've both benefited from that game. It's not just the children having laugh, laughing and having a great time, but I've seen something that I hadn't seen before or that one day Ewan didn't skip five when he counted to 10 and, and all of a sudden you feel euphoric and you think oh I've actually had a little win there (laughs) in an otherwise catastrophic day it could even be you know where everything's gone wrong and you've had one of those where you there's tantrums at every corner and then you have that one tiny moment where you play a game and that happens and it all of a sudden you think oh that's what it's all about isn't it it is and I think also you know a lot of parenting is kind of failing like I always find that I'm I feel like I've said the wrong thing or I've managed things something the wrong way I mean even just yesterday I wanted a biscuit we're about to have dinner I was like no you can't she's like why 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 and I said do you know what I'd said to her before you can have a biscuit after dinner but we're eating dinner now and I was like fine you're not even having a biscuit after dinner and then it was like a catastrophic meltdown she hated me but then after dinner we played a game and actually of course that was way better than a biscuit Mm -hmm. Always. It was, and it was amazing how one moment she hated me. I was the worst person <laughs> in the world because she's a massive drama queen. Um, and then the next moment, I was the most amazing person in five mm. minutes because we were just doing something together. And it's hard, isn't it? Because in that moment where they are saying those things to you, you question yourself and you think, "Have I done the right thing here?" Mm-hmm. And you know, we've all been there, and you've all said the no, or you've set, decided I'm putting my foot down for a change because I've had enough of this and you and you question yourself and you think oh have I got this wrong and then like you say and then it can all flip on a sixpence and all of a sudden you're doing something where you think oh no this is this is right again and that's it's the highs and lows isn't it of parenting it's just like that all the time a constant roller coaster of ups and downs. Do you think that play is potentially changed in the 21st century. I mean, I just, you know, our children are probably the first generation to be raised with screens in, you know, in a way that we never had access to when we were growing up. It definitely has changed. And uh, I would say it probably has changed a huge amount in every decade, really, because toys have changed and that initially would have changed things when different toys came in and people would say, oh, they don't use don't go outside anymore they're now just playing with toys and then and then that's advanced to now where we've got technology and it's another big shift and I think it it has ultimately meant there are a lot more children who do sit down and sedentary and looking at a screen and aren't playing something physically or actively um and it's about for me it's about incorporating something that is inevitably inevitably going to be a massive part of their world into play as well and using it as part of it so that it doesn't become all about one or the other and trying to get it trying to get that really nice balance um but it does mean you have to be a bit creative in how you think about play so that you can use those screens to incorporate them into your world and still get the time where they're active and busy and doing stuff that's not in front of a screen because in your book you know there's a lot of the kind of stealth learning you talk about you know using puzzles and like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite ones was like the the puzzle pass the parcel where they unpack a different piece every time I think it's a great way of kind of a new take on a puzzle obviously a lot of these these games on 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 screens are educational you know they're great for fine motor skills they're great for lateral thinking they might even be brilliant for sort of phonics or Mm -hmm. or basic uh, maths but 
there's still that element of interaction that's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that face to face with someone mm-hmm. that it's, it's largely a kind of more solitary thing that they're playing. And even though as they get older, you know, they can obviously play with other people, but they're not face to face. They're not reading their facial expressions. They're not using potentially empathy. Exactly. Saying, oh, someone's not enjoying this, or maybe I need, you know, I need to, and, mm. and all of these sort of very nuanced things are important that children need to learn. And you can only really get from face to face playing. Face to face, exactly. And if all they did was look at a screen, it would be very damaging. And you can see why, because the biggest thing my book's about in young children's development is speech and language. And you can only get that from being face to face with somebody, them looking at your lips moving, looking at your eyes, looking at how you're pronouncing those words. And that's what children need at least five minutes of one-to-one time um in a day and screens won't won't give children that you can get you can work with them so my son's absolutely obsessed with a book a, a, a game at the moment called hit the button which is about times tables with children he's maths mad he loves it so he wants to play that all the time so I sit with him and I have a go at it and then he has a go at it so that we still get that what did you score what did I score looking at each other talking to each other about it time and then we'll also play the spider's web game out of my book where it's a similar version laid out on the floor and he loves it just as much but the screen is just sitting there and the game has to be set up and so you can see why that's an easy option isn't it to pick up a screen and go well let's practice time tables this way but that's why I'm hoping the five minute games, it's just like so much easier to think it's only five minutes than thinking of something really vast and epic that takes loads of time and energy. And that's the thing, you know, screens are often demonized, but actually they're really useful, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to have five minutes or half an hour or an hour, quite frankly, mm. or if you're feeling really ill, you know, the odd day where you do <laughs> literally plonk your kids in front of the TV because you've got no other option. Um, but it's that that sort of balance, isn't it? That it's as that long balance. as they're getting their occasional five minutes of human interaction, mm-hmm. then that's... And that's, yeah, that's what it's all about. So so through my training working in schools, we one of the biggest issues was, was speech with children and coming, working with them to help support them through that development of their talking by just talking to people. And then once you've got that under your belt, then they can do so many other things and that's what can be missing and that's what hopefully all these games are massively promoting just that that talking to each other one-to-one time a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So you're at the moment a full-time mum. You haven't gone back to teaching since. (laughs) Um, Your children are born, although, you know, that might be something in the future. Um, When you were sort of designing your games, you're obviously at home the whole time. You've got the whole day to spend with them and kind of... um, Do you... Were these designed for people that are at home with their kids the whole time or... You know, no. is this something that children, that you know, parents who've got a finite amount of time with their their kids can do? These are designed for busy people, so that's actually what it says on my the front of my book is um, busy people, and that is anybody. And when I 
first started coming up with them, I was a stay-at-home mum, so I had an awful lot of time at home with the children. So that's where I had time to think about what we could do. But actually, one of the first people to play them was a friend of mine who's a cardiologist, um, a full-time mum, full-time cardiologist, also very busy managing shift patterns and trying to dash home for bath time. And she said to me, oh, what what's that game you're playing with you? And I'm going to play that with my daughter. And I And I explained it to her and she was like, right, okay, text me that, text me that and I'll play it with her tomorrow. So I was like, okay, so I text her the, 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 I can't remember what the game it was now. I think it was maybe the target practice one that I started with you in very, very beginning with his name. So I texted it to her and, and then, and then she'd be like, can you give me some more? She really enjoyed that. <laughs> and she was literally doing it in the bath or. And uh, tell me what the target practice game was. So, uh, the first, one of the first ones I ever did with you and more, I thought oh, I need to really teach him his name. <laughs> I'm supposed to be a teaching assistant. We haven't done anything like this yet. And I put his, uh, I had an old strip of wallpaper in the shed and I wrote E-W-A-N on a piece, four pieces and hung them on the washing line. And then he had this little rocket launcher thing and that he'd got for Christmas. And I, and I just put that nearby. And then when he found it, I said, I'll try and hit those on the washing line. And as he was firing this rocket launcher at them, I was just shouting, oh, you hit the E, you hit the W, you hit the A. He had no idea that, that's what it, the game was for. He just thought he was trying to knock down the things on the washing line. And it was only a month later when he pointed out an E to me randomly in the street. So that's an E for my name. And I realised, oh, that actually went in. He showed no acknowledgement of, of the game at the time that he had recognised that letter or he knew what it was for. But it obviously had gone in just through playing that. And, and then he said to me, that's an E for my name. And I was like, oh, yes, it is. Okay, <laughs> let's do some more of that, shall we? <laughs> and so that was where, yeah, we started setting up more and more and more. Yeah. And so it's for, yes, yeah, for busy people, because I didn't have, even though, you know, if you're a stay-at-home parent or you're a, or a working parent, you never have time for anything. I don't have time to nip the loo, let alone, <laughs> let alone doing half the other things that need to get done so everybody's very busy as far as I'm concerned I've now sort of seen both sides of the fence really sort of doing this stuff is more working and I have been stay-at-home mum and it just the challenges are different but neither but often is really hard for mothers who've got a small amount of time with their kids every day because mm-hmm. they're missing out on quite a lot and they're feeling guilty about it yes. and then the pressure the time you have with your child is so precious mm-hmm. that you know they get home and they're just tired or antsy and you're like oh I had like the whole day wanting to be with you and then it was a rubbish time that we spent together. Mm. So I think it's really difficult. But actually this idea of of doing something fun for five minutes um, is is perfect for... Yeah, so that's all I say. Yeah, stick the TV on when you first get in. All have a little bit of calm down. And while they're busy watching an episode of Peppa Pig, stick out a game super fast. And then after that episode's finished, then you've got the game. And if they want to play it, it's ready to go. And then you can all go to bed feeling a lot better about yourselves. That's why I do it for me anyway. I just want to feel like I've done something where I can go to bed at night and think, oh yeah, we did that today. We played something so I can quash the guilt a tiny bit of anything else that might have happened that day. Did you ever find it hard to play with your kids? I'm just thinking because it seems like such a basic thing as a parent and before you become a parent, you think, oh yeah, we can play loads. And then when I became a parent, I found it quite hard. Really hard. Really boring. Yeah. <laughs> and repetitive. Yeah, so repetitive. And I remember reading um, a forum when Ewan was probably only about eight months old. And it was uh, a mother who had asked, what, can I, what activities can I do with my, with my eight-month-old? 
And I was thinking, oh my God, I haven't even thought about this. And a woman replied, oh, I stack cups. I'm sure that's plenty. And I thought, I need to be friends with this woman because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> I just stack cups and sing nursery rhymes and read and I don't do anything else. And I thought, oh, maybe I should be doing so much more. But you know, you've got this tiny baby and all they want is love and milk and <laughs> support. And then it was only when they were a bit older that the kind of real play came in. But even then, some days you know especially when they're making you a pretend cup of tea for the 16th time and you just think oh we've done this one now can't we please do something else and they they love it and they're like i made you a cup of tea mummy yeah and then they're really <laughs> sad that you're not really enthusiastic yeah. on the 16th time and you're like oh thank you mm, this is lovely thank you very much can i have a piece of cake and you're just like oh i've got a degree <laughs> sat there like I used to manage a team of 16 people <laughs> what's going on I'm sat here in my dressing gown like with a plastic cup yeah. and yeah you do sort of have moments where you think oh this is my day just feels so long and that's how I used to feel at home sometimes just like the days seemed very long and very boring and, and that's why a lot of the games are designed because I enjoyed playing them <laughs> so it was a bit for me like what what would I want to play if I was going to spend some time with the kids, what do I actually want to do with them rather than the same repetitive things? And so a lot of the games are just, especially some of the ones in the garden, just for me to have fun. <laughs> so I want to hear about these games. Um, what what are the games that you feel that are the sort of real winners? I mean, obviously your book outlines all the uh, loads and loads and loads of different games for different scenarios and different ages. And actually what I love is that it's really easy to say, this game is suitable for a one-year-old, this is better for mm. a three-year-old, this is where they might learn some some sort of early educational things. But what what in your mind are the real winners? What are the ones that you return to time and time again? There are some on the blog that are like super popular and everybody, when I post them, like, I get like lots and lots of people respond saying, we played this today, we really like it. And people come back to it time and time again. And I'd say, oh, it's really hard to choose. <laughs> but there's one called um, Stepping Stones, which lots of people really like, which is you just bung five, uh, six, sorry, cushions out on on your floor or if you don't have enough cushions some people said I don't have six cushions <laughs> but I love a cushion so I've got loads in my house um six books anything that they can jump along basically and then you have a dice and they roll the dice and if they get a one they jump to the first cushion if they get a four they jump to the fourth cushion and then next to that you can put anything so you could put something that's different colors you could put for little ones that are just learning colors you could do spellings times tables words phonics sounds anything you want to do with them along the side. And all that happens is when they get the number four, they pick up their little piece of paper with something written on and say, oh, I've got the... So for example, with Florence, I was doing numbers. She'd say, oh, I've got the number four. And then I'm like, put it in your pile. You've won that one. She puts it in her pile and then she rolls the dice again and sees what she gets next time. And you can make it competitive. So I'd have a side that was mine and you see who wins, who gets their all six of theirs first. And it's just two things, you know, cushions and a dice and something written on a bit of paper um but you can and you can do that with so many different ages I've got a friend who's got a two-year-old four-year-old and a six-year-old and she first tried that out for me because I used to try them out on all my friends first and she was like all three of them have played this today we've done we've done counting one to six we've done uh, adding up and we've done times tables for Arthur who was older so I was like that's a good one because I just like the thought of everyone can play that together um so that's that's always been a really firm favorite toddler pong's a firm favorite What's that? Because that came from beer pong. So lots of people have played beer pong. Um, I had my hen do, where my wonderful girls did a five-minute mum 
games Hindu for me. <laughs> so I had to play all my games <laughs> with consequences. But when I came home with my Hindu, I had a ping pong ball in my bag from where we'd played Prosecco Pong on my Hindu. And I suddenly thought, well, the children are basically like having two tipsy people in around you all the time anyway because they think everything's hilarious they're a bit unsteady on their feet they're kind of I was like it's real some real similarities so I got the ping pong ball out and some of just the plastic cups we had in our cupboard and we bounced the ball into them and then I started putting things inside like numbers or letters or um you know even just you could write a little note to them a little funny joke or something yeah. anything you wanted to encourage <laughs> reading and then we just sit and play that and we bounce the ball and then we try and get rid of all the cups so each time they goes in one that gets out but we've done that a lot competitively especially you and he's very competitive so he likes that one because he wants to win so <laughs> it's a chance for him to see if he can do it um, and then there are ping pong balls flying all over the kitchen as we're all having a go so that is a really popular one I think again because it's just a ping pong ball and some cups and everyone's got those sort of cups knocking around their kitchen so and have there ever been any games that you've sort of tried and thought were going to be great that were just disastrous (laughs) loads yeah I think that's the thing that's the beauty with kids isn't it I mean my two are my biggest critics and if they don't if they think it's rubbish they go I don't want to do that that sounds rubbish that's boring um and yeah I remember trying one with you and that I really thought was going to be a big hit and it was it, he he was really reluctant to write and it had kind of, it was kind of to encourage writing and he had it was to do with um writing on a line and then putting pennies into a box and there's actually a version of it in the book because he sort of came round to it in the end um but I sort of adapted it slightly and the first time I did it it was a bit more I realized it was too forced and this is why my golden rule is so important it was too forced and he and he just was so cross with me. <laughs> I do not want to play this. And he just kind of threw it across the room. And I was like, okay, all right, we don't have to play. Like, that's fine. <laughs> it was a total disaster. And Florence is a lot more picky than you. And she will happily ignore games that I've set up and doesn't want to play that. And quite often I do an Instagram live, for example, and she'll play for a few minutes and then she wants to do something else. And I really like that because that's the reality, isn't it? Some children love them and some children will do them for a little bit and you'll get something out of it always but it might not be quite what you had in your head thinking we're going to play this game for ages and it's going to be wonderful she'll go oh I need a poo halfway through (laughs) disappear off the toilet and then never return (laughs) because she's been distracted on the way back by a barbie or something else that's come through the door but that's one of the joys of it being five minutes and stuff you've got in your house you know the the thing that you spend like an hour setting up you've had to do do a whole amazon delivery to get all the stuff you need and then if they're like (laughs) nah then of course you're going to be really resentful and go how could you possibly just give it a go and start turning into a brat yourself at least that's what I do it's heartbreaking isn't it? it is it is and then I find myself saying things that are just ridiculous and and behaving like more of a child than they are <laughs> yeah but if it's five minutes and it's stuff you've got and you just need to put away then and that's yeah that's why I'm always encouraging and saying it's only five minutes the golden rule is they choose they decide because if they've decided to play, the chances are you're going to get a much better experience for everybody. But if they decide not to, it's only five minutes. You haven't done something off Pinterest, like you say, where you've had to order a load of stuff and you don't feel that sort of resentment. And you can just pop, like, put, if they didn't want to play Tobola Pong, you stack those cups back up, which I've done plenty of times, and put them in the cupboard and the ping pong ball goes back in a box somewhere. And that's it. There's mm-hmm. no there's no massive clear up. There's no light disaster zone that you think oh god um and you can kind of go oh get it out again tomorrow or a week's time or a month's time and maybe try it again maybe not so it just takes a bit of the pressure off I think have your children ever just not wanted to play at all oh was one more reluctant than the other um they always want to play 
And the thing about it is, the more you play, the more you do this kind of thing, the more they get into the groove of it. And because we've done it since they were so little, they they know there's going to be a game set up when they come home from school. They know there's going to be a game in the morning. So they kind of request it or they, they, they're expecting it. <laughs> so I think my children are probably, it's probably quite difficult to say, but yeah, there are times definitely where Flo's definitely more reluctant to follow through on a game than Ewan was. Ewan's very good. He's, he's like, I, I want to complete this in its entirety and, and tick all the boxes. Whereas Flo's much more free spirited and she'll sort of do a bit and then she'll do something else and then she and then she'll always come and go oh can we play that game again <laughs> I think you only played it for a minute last time <laughs> then she asks for it so you're like, okay that's fine we'll set that up and see what happens what I like about the book is that it's not just the games but it's also teaching you how to get your children to play games so one of the things mm-hmm. that I thought was really interesting was that you don't sort of sit down and go right guys I've set up this game this is what we're going to do mm-hmm. you let them find it always always let them find it and I I remembered that from from my teaching days because when I first started trying activities when they were sort of three and one and I wondered why they kept sort of failing and I was doing this best sort of Oscar winning performance this is going to be a great kids come on we're going to go play and and then I kept thinking why they're not really bothered but when and then I thought back to well I never did that at school we just used to in the mornings I'd go in and I'd set out activity tables and then the kids would all come in and they'd all choose where they wanted to go and I thought, why am I trying to change that? That's, you know, that's that's what the teachers do for a reason. So I just put that in my own home and said, right, okay, well, while they're busy doing something else. And it doesn't even have to be anything. It could just be that you tidy up a corner and put out the dinosaurs in a different way. And they think, oh, that's exciting. Or you pull a cupboard out the back of the cup, pull a puzzle out the back of the cupboard they haven't seen before and just lay it flat so they can see all the pieces. And it's a, it's a, it's let them choose and then they'll see that puzzle and then they can decide whether or not they want to play it. Chances are, if they see it like that, 90% of the time they're going to want to do it, but they're never going to go to the cupboard and pull out a puzzle out the back and say, oh, let's go and set this up and play it. So it's just about giving them that um, control back and that seems to be the thing that will make them want to do it. And what about messy play? Because often making a mess is a really important part of <laughs> child development. It's what they want to do. And then it's something that us parents are like, oh, my God, this is just so stressful. Especially if you're sort of, you know, little house, you know, there are, I was talking to a mum the other day and actually she's saying her husband is just like really antsy about sort of mess. And it's so <laughs> dangerous. Like <laughs> um, is messy play an important part of, of what they do? Well, there's one page of it in my book. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Because as much I follow lots of people on Instagram who do the most wonderful messy play setups and it just makes me go, oh God, no, not in my house. That's what they can do at school nursery. <laughs> and I do think it is so important. And I used to try and incorporate it, but it was always on those days, you know, where they had slept through and I'd had two coffees and I felt like I was really energized. Okay, we can get out the the gloop or the paints or the... and. I'm much keener to do it in the summer when they can do it in the garden and then you can just hose them down afterwards. Um, Whereas in the house, it always seemed... But there are things that are messy in the book, but I I try to stay away from it because I like the thought that you can tidy it up in five minutes and most of the time when you make a gigantic mess, I always found there was like a graph that I drew where the longer the amount of time 
it's, you spend setting up or tidying up, the less amount of time the child plays with it. Mm-hmm. So if you get out all the paints and you get out all the paper and you mix them all up and they're doing something, they'll do it for a really short period of time. And then all of a sudden you've got all of these paints that you have to clean up and there's paint splattered in corners of your house you never even realised were there. And it's just a bit disheartening. And I, I felt felt the same like a lot of parents do. And I just thought, oh, I can't be bothered with this. I'd much rather do get out some ping pong balls in a cup and play that way and give them my attention that way and save the messy stuff for when they're not in my house. <laughs> I mean, one of the things I really enjoy too is, you know, the idea of, you know, getting them to wash up because they love mm. often washing up and how you do you just set but up. They like that more. <laughs> yeah. Florence will do that for much longer than she will paint. Yeah. So that's mostly why I'll do it. I'll get out one paint pot, one brush, let her paint something. So one of the things I talk about in the book is putting a masking tape over so if you've got, for example, a 60th birthday, you masking tape out a 60 yeah. and then give them a plain piece of paper and then they just paint over it because that's all they ever end up doing is making a big brown mess anyway. <laughs> so she could just do it to her heart and then she would be bored after doing that one thing. She'd totter off. We'd go and wash up in the sink. I'd stand her at the sink with two chairs back to back so that she's kind of in a little box. And then, yeah, give her the bowl and she off she goes and she'll do that for like half an hour and then I'll just tear off the masking tape when it's dry and all of a sudden I've got a 60th birthday card that I can send to, to somebody and saved me a job <laughs> at some point down the line of going, come and do this card <laughs> for granddad. <laughs> There's a brilliant sketch. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think it's a French and Saunders sketch about this kind of two alcoholic mothers who have, have the play date and they're just, it's so sort of forced. Now we're going to do this. No, darling. No, no, no. <laughs> sort of really passive aggressive sort of forced. Okay. Well, if you really feel that you've got to do it, it is so funny to watch. And I think you sort of recognize quite a lot of your own, you know, if, God, if I was sort of watching myself and how engaged my children, I'd sort of look back and sort of shut it. Because we can't always do it perfectly all of the God, time, no. can we? But it's about no. learning, isn't it? It's exactly. And we, and that's the thing, like, we all have those moments. It's just, it's hard and it's difficult. And it's, you're busy. Everyone's very busy. And that's why I just wanted, I wanted to make the, the games and activities easy for me so that I would actually want to do them because I'm, lazy <laughs> and I'm tired you're not the lazy time. you're right. <laughs> lazy I'm yeah. tired you know you're always tired oh, what I'm really trying to do is find somewhere a point I can sit down <laughs> just put my bum on something for just five minutes and that's what I'm really always seeking and that's what so much of it is all about it's just that well and also because in the book there's you know the games you play with them and then there's the games that you can set up if you want five minutes peace peace yes which is amazing <laughs> Um, the age range for the book I mean it's sort of aged from it's sort of aimed at what one to five or so would you say I would say one to five but yeah I mean plenty of my followers say they play it with different age ranges um, I mean I know my daughter would love this I I, I already do but I know that I will play those games with her I I think you can just adapt like I've said the stepping stones one or the you know you can adapt them to anything so you, you know if they're learning something that's more difficult then you can absolutely change them but yeah I'd say one to five is well the majority of what you'd get out of it would be um for that kind of age range but it's so hopefully everyone finds it very adaptable and I hope that people find it really um, inspiring for themselves and they think oh I could make up a game like this this is really easy and they make up their own versions and do things that their children might like and 
I hope that's that's what kind of it makes people feel like oh it doesn't have to be that difficult it doesn't have to be that complicated it can just be this it can be some cups it can be a box it can be really really simple and kids will still absolutely love it yeah I think if it's a, for me it's like a manual of how to feel like an amazing mum because they're gonna love <laughs> you so. for those and they are easy and achievable and actually you can have a really tough day where you feel that you're failing but mm. one five minute actually mommy I love you makes you feel like you've just nailed the whole thing Mm -hmm. I was saying last night um that my favorite phrase is can we play that again because you think oh I've nailed like I've nailed it they love that they want to play it again and obviously if you've heard it for 50th time (laughs) you'll be like no we're not playing anymore but when they first say that and you think yes brilliant that's makes me feel so much better I can go to go and sleep easy tonight (laughs) there's also a chapter on independent play yes why is that so important I I feel like it's just as important as the giving them the attention and the time because as humans, how we figure things out is quite often through our own experience and then thinking about that and wondering what we would do differently. And so when children play on their own, that's what they're learning to do. So I often say you've got to let them be bored. You have to you have to teach them how to be bored, and this is going back to what we were talking about with screens earlier. Is that sometimes that just replaces the boredom, um, and instead we have to kind of go. Actually, it's a really good thing for them to be so bored they're bugging you. <laughs> but if you just keep saying you go and play, I'm busy, I'm doing this, um, in a really gentle way, and you know, not for. And this is the same with everything. It's all about balance, isn't it? So if you've played with them first and you've done some activity and you've done that one-to-one time then now it's their time to be go and play on their own. So let them be bored and then eventually they will go off and find something to do. And in that time, what they are learning is so crucial because they're understanding themselves, how they can problem solve themselves. They're creating confidence in their own ability to make decisions on things. If I go to a cupboard, what am I going to choose? What am I going to pick out? When I do pick that out, do I like what I've chosen? Is this good? Do I want to choose something else? And how they go about that. And quite often, that's where my children come up with the best games because they're bored, they're left to do what... And then they'll be in the garden doing something I never would have thought to do, stacking things up or turn the slide on its side and turned it into a fort or whatever they've done. And that's when they really let their imaginations run wild. And that is so important for their development to have that time where they are entirely without direction from an adult. And... I often find you, if you watch your children play, they're sometimes in their own little bubble. And it's so tempting as a parent to interrupt that and go, oh, you've built a tower, isn't that great? And sometimes, because we're so keen to speak to them, and that is the right thing to do a lot of the time, um, we forget that actually they're in their own little zone at that moment. And we should just let them be in that zone, do, working it out for themselves without any input from us. They don't need that at that moment. So I do think it is so important. And... It's something they have to learn and be encouraged. And I talk about that in books and tips on how to encourage it because it's quite a hard thing as a parent because of, because of the guilt and because of how we feel. We feel like we should always be doing something with them. We should be interacting with them. But actually, that is just as important to take that step back and let them figure things out on their own. One of the things you said that absolutely makes sense is that when you're first encouraging this independent play, it's uh, it's worth setting a timer so that they mm-hmm. can see the sort of parameter. And at the beginning, maybe it is only five or ten minutes, yep. but as they get older, that extends to sort of half an hour, even an hour. Um, but that they there is that sort of finite amount of time, and they can see on that timer how long you've got to go. Exactly, and it's really nice to have a visual timer. So however you do it, like a sun timer or something that they can see. 
um, and also to busy yourself. So even if you have to sort of, I mean, you can always find things to do, can't you? But make sure you're, I'm, you know, mummy or daddy are doing this now. Here's your time. Here's 10 minutes. I've set out a puzzle or those cups. You can choose to do either of those. Off you go. We'll play again in 10 minutes and just letting them practice that. What are they going to do with themselves in that time? And then, yeah, like you say, you can just extend that gradually if they're not used to being playing independently lots of children love that attention and interaction and of course they do but if you're trying to encourage that independent play it's a nice gentle way to go about it is to kind of time it and gradually increase it mm. do you think that there's another book for older children in you <laughs> or do you think that these games are just you know they're they're you know suitable for whatever age it's just maybe you just tweak them slightly uh i my training as a teaching assistant was working in uh, early years so this is where I feel like my knowledge lies. But I did work in schools um, in Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2. So I really would love, I would love to think that I could go and work in a Key Stage 1 for a little while and start thinking of ways to support with um, the grid system on times tables. And it's, it's sort of providing that uh, bridge between parents and teachers. So quite often teachers say, oh, I wish the parents did this. And parents will say, oh, I wish the teachers did this. And I like to think I could provide like a little little bridge that makes it maybe a little bit clearer what's happening in both of those worlds. Um, so I would love to do something where I invented some games for a little bit older. And I do get asked about it quite a lot, actually, on, on Instagram. People saying I've got an eight-year-old or 10-year-old and have you got anything for that? And I don't have anyone to refer to. Quite often when people ask me about babies, for example, I don't have any games for babies, but some people on Instagram have wonderful activities for little babies. And so I can refer to all these wonderful accounts and say, oh, yeah, go and follow this so-and-so. And But there doesn't seem to be anybody doing it for that sort of age. So... Yeah, I would absolutely love to. As Ewan's coming up for six this year, so he's sort of getting into that proper school now where he's getting spellings and he's getting homework and he's learning his times tables. And it would be nice to see how how that time works out with him and what we do at home and whether that could translate into something that would support older children. Yeah, well, it's a selfish question, only because my kids are <laughs> eight and ten. And I'd have loved for this book to be around when they were little. Actually... I will definitely use some of the games that you're suggesting for them. But oh, I also um, remember so well that sort of desperation and boredom and that kind of con- like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And feeling that you need to pay for stuff to do. Yes. You do an activity, which absolutely isn't the case. Um, and I think very often what your book is, it's like the key that unlocks the imagination. I think because parents have never done this before, they're like, oh, God, what do we even do? And then they pick up your book and they're like, oh, yes, and we could do this. And you can, you, they're quite versatile, all the activities. You don't need to stick to exactly what you've said. No, you think, oh, actually well I've got this and that Mm -hmm. might work really well so yeah so thank you it's a brilliant brilliant book uh (laughs) Daisy um so it's out now uh five the it's called five minute mum yeah and it's called give me five yeah sorry it's called give me five but yeah it's it's got a big five minute mum stamp on the front so that's kind of what you see first but yeah um it's called give me five so and it's available Amazon all good bookshops Yes, and Asda and Tesco's. Great. <laughs> and your Instagram I also really love. Um, what's your What's your Instagram handle? It's just at 5 Minute Mum. And I'm on Facebook at 5 Minute Mum, I think. Okay. I think 5 Minute Mum was taken by somebody else when I started. <laughs> and what about your blog? You mentioned that a That's bit. Just 5MinuteMum.com. Okay, perfect. And then, yeah, lots of the stuff is on there. Um, but the, 
the book has a few new games that haven't been seen before on the blog. So. Perfect. No, it's a really, really great book. Thank, thank you. you so much for coming along today. Thank you. And Maria. thank you all for listening to another episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen to this podcast. It really makes a big difference in terms of people finding us. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Daisy and me, goodbye. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.